0: This episode is sponsored by Dive-In, a mobile app that makes it easy for anyone to do more good in their local communities. The Dive-In app connects users to local nonprofits as well as thousands of volunteer opportunities and events. On the app, users can also share stories that inspire others to give back. You can download Dive-In by visiting divein.app slash download.
1: Please stay tuned for our new segment, Let's Dive In, featuring the wonderful people at you guessed it, dive in. Now, onto this week's episode.
2: We are not a world divided into people who have and people who need. Everybody has something to give. There were children in the slums in Nairobi who were painting rocks with messages of goodwill and, like, kind
0: messages, and then hiding them so that other people would just find them. Giving. It could evoke different emotions depending on who you're asking. You might think of giving as something that's being taken from us, like money, for example. But what we might miss is that giving, it can actually make us gain something of more value. The thing I really love about Giving Tuesday is that it's
2: generosity based in celebratory sentiment rather than negative sentiment, fear or anger. What I see on Giving Tuesday is a lot of smiles. I see a lot of really happy communities and I rarely see pictures of people alone. I see pictures of people in groups. They're together. They're a collective and they know they're part of a human collective, right? So they might be in a small community, but they know they're giving at the same time as the whole world. Like they find tremendous joy in it. And what you do if you find tremendous joy
0: in something is that you want to do it again. This is the story of Asha Curran, social good innovator and the CEO of Giving Tuesday. This is Camille.
1: And this is Maverick. And this is Sincerely Human, a podcast that tells stories of kindness in action, from
0: the lens of today's most inspiring humans.
2: I was actually born in India, which is its own whole story to do with my hippie parents. Asha started
1: living in New York when she was just under three years old.
2: So I was raised in the Lower East Side and the East Village. Uh, my mom was a public school teacher, and she was a single mom. My mother was a big believer in service and kindness and taking personal responsibility and that sort of thing. And I left New York for college where I went to Mount Holyoke in Massachusetts, which was a really transformational experience for me.
1: It was an all women's college where Asha majored in politics and English.
2: I'm 46 now. When I look back on my trajectory since college, it's kind of hilarious because it makes no sense. So now I kind of look back and I can pretend it was strategic, but really at each juncture, it wasn't. I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do. I decided I wanted to go into book publishing because that's basically what I thought English majors and minors did. And I did. I went into book publishing.
1: But within the publishing world, Asha couldn't find an editorial job. So she hopped on to do other things, including childbirth education, after becoming a mom.
0: I started working at 92Y. 92nd Street Y is a nonprofit community and cultural center located in Manhattan, New York. The organization brings people together through a wide range of programs in the performing and visual arts, literature, and culture, to name a few. And I became <laughs> director of Jewish
2: lectures there, which is funny because. My own background is that I'm an Irish Catholic, so (laughs) it didn't seem to make much sense. But again, it was really interesting. And so I just immersed myself in it. I learned as much about that world as I possibly could. When I look back, I think what interests me is discovering a new world and then
0: really immersing myself in it. A few years within working at 92nd Street Y, Asha met her colleague, Henry Timms. We were just really aligned
2: in the way we saw... Things like the democratization of content, the advent of digital media, and how profound that was, and how much it was going to change things. The 92nd Street Y is an incredible cultural and community center. It has a long history of serving its community, but its community is its zip code, basically. And so Henry and I started thinking, how could we redefine the word community for the 21st century? What does community mean in an age where there are no boundaries?
0: To test this theory, Henry and Asha experimented. They started the Social Good Summit in partnership with Mashable and the UN Foundation. The summit is an annual event for tech and global development leaders and activists, and it's held during the United Nations General Assembly Week. This year, the summit is celebrating its 10th year anniversary. And it all started with people thinking out of the box and pushing what's possible. Nonprofit innovation
2: was also not something that in college I would have said, oh, I want to get into nonprofit innovation. But again, I started, you know, we sort of started experimenting with this distributed model, really thinking in new ways about branding and ownership and things that the nonprofit world just really get in a very
0: stuck mindset about. ASHA has led other successful programs at 92nd Street Y, but none would probably come close to the scale of one particular experiment. It was in the run-up to the Social Good Summit, and I was just
2: underwater. I was so busy getting everything prepared for Social Good Summit. It's just a massive undertaking. And Henry came into the office one day, and he said, I had this great idea, Black Friday,
0: Cyber Monday, Giving Tuesday. And I was like, oh, my, that's a great idea. In 2012, Giving Tuesday launched as a day when people would show up on the Tuesday after Thanksgiving in the U.S., on this particular day, people would give back to causes and issues that mattered to them. But ever since that first iteration, and much like Asha's professional career, Giving Tuesday went through an evolution. The way that it was framed in the beginnings as Black Friday, Cyber Monday,
2: Giving Tuesday, has a very American focus. And now it's in you know, 60 plus countries. And so that alone has transformed the way we look at what Giving Tuesday is. In the beginning, we made a couple of really important decisions that I think were foundational in allowing Giving Tuesday to grow to the extent that it has. The first was that we launched it right away. You know, anybody who works for a nonprofit, especially a large institution, is familiar with the way an idea develops and finally gets implemented can often take a really long time and involves getting endless approvals and going through endless committees
1: Asha says that this traditional mindset discourages risk and failure both of which are intrinsic to innovation and creativity
2: what we did was gather groups of people from you know academia tech media you know nonprofits every sector you could think of to just give us advice on developing giving tuesday and part of the result of that process was that those people then felt really enfranchised in it. They felt committed to it. They became ambassadors for it. They helped spread the word. We partnered with the UN Foundation again, who we had partnered with on Social Good Summit. They, for the first uh, few years, did all of the communications. And that was amazing. And so the early success of Giving Tuesday was literally a result of people's generosity <laughs> because we had no money then, right? We had no funding. And so like somebody built us a pro bono website and all of the partners that we'd work with like had something to pitch in.
1: And the second decision they made was to place a really huge bet on social media.
2: So like the early Giving Tuesday logo had a hashtag. Now that seems really obvious. We see hashtag movements around us all over the place, there's Me Too, there's Never Again, there's Black Lives Matter. But back in those days, right, eight years ago, that was not a thing. I mean, Twitter was very, very nascent. A lot of people literally didn't know what the hashtag was. Now
0: it's ubiquitous, but it wasn't then. Back when Giving Tuesday started, people would go on social media to share just about anything they could think of, what they ate, what their kids did, and other random stuff. But as we've all seen over time, Social media has been used for more than just baby photos and snapshots of what people had for breakfast. And the first Giving Tuesday, I remember having this realization that people that I
2: thought I knew really well, colleagues and friends, I didn't know what issues they cared about because they started sharing on Giving Tuesday what they cared about. And I learned a lot about them.
1: During its first year, it didn't hurt that people like Bill Gates and former President Obama tweeted about Giving Tuesday. And so it got
2: some pretty good social media play. Like People were really talking about it and it trended in all kinds of exciting things for us. It was bigger than we thought it would be. We had hoped to get 200 nonprofits to commit to doing something on Giving Tuesday. Literally, like, the bar was low. It could have been that they posted something on social media or that they did a whole campaign. Some nonprofits did incredibly creative campaigns even that first year.
1: One memorable campaign was from a nonprofit called for Success.
2: They did a great campaign the first year. They changed Giving Tuesday to Giving Shoes Day. And they had a whole campaign that was getting donated shoes for women. And they had like their, you know, biggest day of donations ever that year. And so we saw a couple of those kinds of early successes. And then the second year, the UK and Canada picked up the idea and started national campaigns as well. And then by the third year... A whole bunch of other countries had joined. Singapore joined and um, Brazil joined. And it seemed like this is a bigger thing than we thought.
1: Asha says that when Giving Tuesday campaigns crossed oceans, it showed that generosity is not just an American value. It's a universal one.
2: So I think part of what Giving Tuesday has accomplished is sort of bringing a conversation about generosity into the public square in a way that
0: it just wasn't before. Something that wasn't there before. That's what got Asha on this journey, and it's what she continues to see with the impact Giving Tuesday is making all over the world. Last year, over $400 million was donated
2: just in the 24 hours of Giving Tuesday and just online. So that's all we're able to measure. That's not even the full picture of online. It's just what we're able to count, and we're not able to count any offline dollars. So that was in a year where low-dollar individual giving went down. It went down every day of last year, except for Giving Tuesday. So something about Giving Tuesday is causing this spike in giving that is very similar to the giving after a natural disaster. It's the only thing that exists that spurs that kind of giving based on something positive rather than in a reaction to something
0: terrible happening. Year after year, Giving Tuesday generates waves of generosity on and offline you can be generous in every interaction you have with another human being, or you can
2: not be. And you can give lots of money in donations and be a fundamentally ungenerous person. And as we started to think about it, we realized that the expression of generosity or its opposite really has impact on every single aspect of our lives. So if I asked you, you know, who's the most generous person you know, I guarantee you that you wouldn't tell me about somebody you know who writes lots of checks to nonprofits, right? So that expression of generosity is important, but so are so many others. And in many of our Giving Tuesday countries, the day doesn't center around fundraising at all. It centers around community building, civic engagement, uh, sometimes around children, right? It's such an incredibly broad movement in scope,
0: Giving Tuesday has seen everything from campaigns that bring civic pride to local communities to heartbreaking personal stories that inspire others to make an impact. Like the story of No Owen Palmer and how the Knox Blocks Foundation started, which won the 2017 hashtag MyGivingStory contest.
2: He was the best baby, really, from day one. Um, he was born September 5th. He came into the world at nine pounds, one ounce. It was a normal day. Um, you know, there was nothing. He wasn't sick, he was healthy. He went down for a nap, and um, and he didn't wake up and we lost him. Losing a child in any way is not natural. I mean, it's just, it's not, so, you shouldn't have to bury your child. Um, Nobody should, no parent should. And after we lost Knox, we knew there was just something that we had to do. Our purpose needed to be to do whatever we could to make sure no parent ever has to feel this. The Owlet baby monitor was something I have.
1: Giving Tuesday has turned into a living, breathing movement of local and global generosity. And just last month, Giving Tuesday officially spun out into its own organization, with Asha as its CEO. I think if we
2: can bring more people to the generosity table, have people really understand how incredibly rewarding it is, and that they're important too, right? That you don't have to be a big philanthropist. You don't have to have millions of dollars. You can help change lives and you can make a positive impact without giving away a penny or by giving $100 or whatever it is. Um, And I think people are just... They just don't think that they're valued in that way. So I think if Giving Tuesday serves the purpose of bringing them into that world and getting them addicted to generosity, then you're going to see the long tail effects of that far more than one day a year.
1: If you want to learn more about Giving Tuesday and how you can join the movement, visit givingtuesday.com. There are tons of free resources on their site that will help you with your giving journey. Please stay tuned. Coming up next is our new segment on the podcast. Let's dive in.
0: In this episode of Let's Dive In we're hearing from dive In CEO and co-founder, Andreas Freund. Andreas is from San Francisco. His mom is Nicaraguan and his dad is German. He grew up seeing gross inequality in his neighborhood. He also witnessed how people in the Latinx community who looked like him, didn't have the same access to opportunities that he had. But it wasn't until the summer of 2015 when he got the idea for Dive-In. He was studying abroad in Berlin.
3: I had moved there. Within a few months, the refugee crisis had really broken out, but, you know, having been new to Berlin and wanting to give back and help these, you know, communities acclimate to life in Germany, I found it incredibly difficult to actually mobilize and volunteer.
0: At the time, Andreas was working for Blacklane, a company that helped business travelers get black car services around the world.
3: I think we were in like 190 airports at the time and it just dawned on me in a day and age where we get so much with a few taps on our phones, whether it's, you know, groceries, uh, a ride or or even a date, that there wasn't really a solution that empowered people to mobilize and find opportunities to do good right in their own backyards with minimal friction.
0: From this personal need to make local impact easier, Dive-In was born.
3: So our mission at Dive-In is to make it easy for anyone to do more good at the local level. The way the app works is based on where you are and the causes you care about. We help you find volunteer opportunities, meaningful events, connect with local nonprofits, and share stories that raise awareness about the causes you care about.
0: Andrea says that using their mobile app is also really simple.
3: Through our onboarding process, you select a few causes that matter to you. So whether it be activism, immigration, animals, conservation, things of that nature, you select those causes, you let us know roughly where you are. And then based on that, we surface a list of nonprofits in your area, a list of volunteer opportunities, as well as stories from your local community that you can engage with and hopefully be inspired by, and then share some of your own.
0: Apart from nonprofits they're curating on their mobile app, Dive In has also partnered with Volunteer Match, a leading organization that connects thousands of nonprofits to volunteers all over the country.
3: When you can get involved at a local level and make change happen in a relatively quick timeframe, I think it also provides that really positive feedback loop that'll encourage people to actually get more involved in a more sustainable fashion. Also, so many nonprofits you know, need lots of help just empowering people to really help these organizations that really do so much for our communities on a regular basis. And a lot of it's really thankless work.
0: So if you want to connect with local nonprofits and easily discover volunteer opportunities and meaningful events in your area, check out the Dive In app. Just visit divein.app slash download. Link is in our show notes.
1: That's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week. And remember, be good to one another.
0: This show is produced by Human Group Media, an award-winning social good podcast company. Human Group Media works with thought leaders, brands, and organizations to inspire social change through the power of audio storytelling.